Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would ask that you open them to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And um, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, um, I want to preach this morning a message entitled, The Last Man Standing. Uh, for those who worry about whether I'm really talking about just only men, let's just say the last one standing, because it encompasses all of us. Uh, aren't you glad the Bible says that in Him there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, that we're all one in Him? And so because of that, it is the last one standing. But I can remember uh, years ago... Uh, back when uh, boxing seemed to be one of the big sports. Um, it, it, you know, it kind of has lost its luster, I think, over the years. Uh, what with Mike Tyson trying to bite off the ear of Evander Holyfield and all of that, uh, it became animalistic. And for the ladies here, uh, just stick with me for a minute. I mean, let's face it, who doesn't love a good just duking it out kind of match? But, you know, maybe you think it's a little barbaric. But I remember watching, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes and, you know, all of those, those old greats of that particular sport. And that, uh, as they went into the ring, there was nobody else there with them. It was just two guys, two people. And the point was to be, by the time... The, the match ended to be the last one standing, to be that last man. And there's, there was, in boxing, as, a, as a, a sort of a boxing fan, at least that I was at that time, the, you know, there was, I didn't want to see two guys still standing at the end of 15 rounds. In fact, I didn't want it to go 15 rounds. I, I wanted it maybe to go a little longer but at some point, I wanted that, that final knockout punch to be thrown where the one guy would fall to the canvas and the other guy, his arms would be held up that he was the winner and the last one standing. That was the exciting thing for me. Now, those of you who just think that I am just a barbaric kind of individual, pray for me. I don't know what else to tell you. But... Um, but that was the excitement. That was an exciting thing because the last one standing was the winner. And can I tell you that today that we have, as we have started this kind of this journey of going through this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, all the way down through to verse 20, uh, I believe that God's intent for this conflict for this warfare that we're in, or these battles that we fight, God's intent for each and every one of us is for you to be the last one standing. When you are faced with the enemy as he tries to come in, as he tries to bring you down and destroy, and he does his best to discourage you, and make you want to give up and give up the fight. I, I remember, I don't know who it was, uh, years ago, I want to say it might have been Sugar Ray Leonard and somebody else, another boxer, 
uh, oh, his name, Roberto Duran, and, and Sugar Ray Leonard was just having his way with this guy in the ring, and finally, Roberto Duran, in his, his native tongue of Spanish, said, no mas. He gave up. He said, I can't take it anymore. I'm getting beat too much. The enemy wants you to say, no mas. I don't want anymore. I can't take it anymore. He will use whatever he possibly can to get you to give up. That, brothers and sisters, is not God's intention for you. And verse 13 is very clear in that regard. In fact, I want to back up just for a moment and read verse 11, and then we'll jump down to verse 13, because verse 11 also makes it clear as well. The Bible says, in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now go to verse 13. Therefore, we're going to find out what the therefore is therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Look at the very beginning of verse 14, because it says it there as well, but we're really just going to dive into verse 13. Stand firm then. Does anybody kind of get what God wants to say? Stand. And be the last one standing. Don't be the individual, you don't have to be the individual, who steps back and says, no more. No more. I can't take anymore. I'm done. I'm giving up. You do not have to give up. Why don't we have to give up? Well, let's find out in verse 13 what the therefore is therefore, shall we? The Bible tells us in verse 12, let's go back to verse 12, it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That sounds pretty difficult and pretty, difficult, pretty, pretty dark as we are faced with a battle against forces of wickedness that essentially you and I cannot see physically. The Bible says, and Paul is very clear in this, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your, your, your struggle is not against unbelievers in the world. There are major religions of the world who think that their struggle is against you and I, the infidels, the unbelievers. Your struggle is not against them. He says your struggle is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual struggle, and it is against those spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Do not forget that because now, given that fact, because of all of that, we are to do something vitally important. And if I sound like I'm repeating myself, please, I probably am, just stay with me here. We've got to put on the full armor of God. 
Because of the kind of battle you and I are in, we have to put on the full armor of God. Do not allow anything to come in the way that kind of indicates that you can leave something out. You cannot. As believers, we cannot leave out anything. The detail of the armor starts in the next verse and after verse 13, but In verse 13, we see the plan of God, and I want you to understand God's plan for you. Because if we don't understand that, then we can be thrown off course very easily. We can get distracted. We can allow the enemy to come in and to deceive us into thinking that there are certain elements of this armor that we do not need. And we can begin to think that somehow we can find shortcuts. Do you know that there are no shortcuts? We're looking for them all the time, right? I'm curious, how many of you drive a car to work? There might be just a few. You drive a car to work. You have a path that you have figured out, right? If you've been driving to that same job for however many years, Roger, how many years has it been? Lifetime. That pretty much sums it up. Roger, I I can almost guarantee you have found the best way to get to work. Am I right? Sochi, the same thing, driving to work. You drive to work, you have one way to go. Now, I remember when I used to have to drive to Northbrook from Skokie, from Evanston and Skokie. I used to have to drive to Northbrook to go to work. And I I had one path that I knew was going to get me there in the best amount of time. But on occasion, I got bored with my path. I wanted to see something different. You know, I'm not from here. You know, I didn't grow up around here. I wanted to see something new. So I'd take a new path only to find as I got to work about five or ten minutes late, that was the dumbest thing I ever did because I saw something new, but now I'm late. You don't deviate from the path. The enemy is doing his best and will do his best to try to get you to deviate from the path that God has planned out for you. He will do his best to let you know, listen, you don't have to put on the helmet of salvation. You don't have to put on the belt of truth. Just leave those aside. We're going to get to that later on. But brothers and sisters, the idea here in the plan is for you to be the last one standing. And if you're going to be, you've got to follow God's plan and God's purpose for your life. The point is this, and he says this, that you may be able to stand your ground. There is something in this statement that Paul makes that immediately comes to mind. And it is this, that your ability to stand will depend on your using everything that God has given you. Let me say that again. Your ability to stand will depend on your using everything that God has given you. That is the full armor of God. That's why this whole series is called the full armor of God. Of God. If you get another translation, it is the whole armor of God. Same thing, means the same thing. The full armor of God is what we're going for. And God has provided everything that we need. God's intent, His purpose, and His plan is clear for you in this verse of Scripture for you to be the last one standing. So the question is what does that entail? 
What does it require for you and I to be the last one standing? First, it requires readiness. If you're taking notes, write it down. Readiness. It requires that you and I are ready. Well, what does that indicate? What does that mean? Well, he says it right here. And it's first, we're ready by being prepared. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God. Don't leave any part out. Don't ignore something over something else. Don't say, well, i got to stress this because this is most important. No, there is nothing about the armor of God where one thing is more important than another. If you are missing the whole thing or missing part of it, then you are not ready. I know we've all had it at times. We have had that dream where we've walked out of our house not fully dressed, right? You, you, you know, you, and you, you, when you wake up, you're like, phew, thank God. You know, you, you have that dream. I don't know why we have it, but somewhere along the way in life, you have that dream. You say, Pastor, that's so inappropriate. Don't worry about that. Just, just for a minute. But what do you feel in the dream? You feel that you are not ready, right? You are unprepared, and clearly, if you're living out the dream, you are. But you're, you know, you thank God you wake up and you realize just a dream and you get up and you button things up just a little bit extra that morning. And you know, you tuck the shirt in nice and tight. You belt, you know, you pull that belt a little bit tighter than it was the day before. You get that extra notch and you say, yes, I'm prepared. I'm ready. The idea here, brothers and sisters, is for us to be absolutely ready to fight the enemy because there is going to be something that is coming. And this is the next part of our readiness. It is that we've got to know what is coming. Well, what is coming? The Bible says in verse 13, it says, when the day of evil comes. What does that mean? Some commentators think about it as some kind of a future event. Something that will take place. There are others who say, well, but these are evil days because they are the last days that we're living in. They are the evil days. And so, but Paul seems to put it in the singular. It's not many days, it's one day. And yet we know that that one day can be another day. And that other day can turn into another day. And so it can be a succession of days. It could be the age that we're living in, the era that we're living in, an evil day that we're living in. Either way, no matter how we look at it, the point is simply this. You've got to be ready and you've got to know that there is going to be something as we are living in the evil days of, of this time that we're living in. You've got to know that there might be something a little bit extra that will come knocking at your door and will present itself to you as the evil day in your life. And the question is, are you going to be ready? Are you prepared? The only way to be prepared for when the enemy comes knocking at your door and tries to create havoc in your life is to have on the full armor of God. Brothers and sisters, we are to be ready. If we are the last one standing, I love it. When the boxer, when a boxer goes out in the ring, you know, they head out in the middle of the ring. Of course, this only happens at the beginning of the, the fight, by the way. They get out there and they, you know, they're dancing. They, the boxer, it's, it's tough training. 
moving. You got to stay moving the whole time. And at about round 12 of a 15 rounder, they're not, they're not bouncing out there. They're just, they're kind of, you know, they're hanging, they're dragging. I mean, it's tough work. They're getting beat to a pulp. I know it doesn't make sense. They're getting beat to a pulp and they're having to stay moving because if you don't move, you will then not be moving at all right on the mat. So you have to move. But by that time, their legs are hurting. Their legs are giving out. They're tired. It's painful. It's difficult. Brothers and sisters, they know what's coming. And they've got to be ready. Now, they look more ready at the very beginning as they hop out there. But brothers and sisters, there are times in your life where the day of evil comes and it seems like the enemy has done his best to, to, to bring you down. But in the end, I know it's been difficult, but you've been the last one standing. You have been the one to be able to stay there and say, I've got the full armor of God on and I came out victorious. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing about this verse of Scripture that hints to any negativity of you actually giving in and you quitting and you giving up. There is nothing about it that hints at that. It is, I am providing, God is providing everything that you need to be able to stand up and to be the last one standing. No, the devil does not have to get the better of you when the day of evil comes. Why? Because you're ready for him. There's a, uh, in, I, in 2 Kings, I believe it is chapter 6. We're not going to turn there and read it right now, but the prophet Elisha was giving, well, he was receiving from the Lord all the movements of the Samaritan army, the, Samari, uh, the, the army of, of uh, the Syrians, I believe it was, or the Assyrians, and giving it to the king of Israel. And as, you know, the, the, the Assyrian king got really frustrated, got really angry because every time he went to do something, he was ambushed. They knew where they were. God was, was giving that, that, you know, that course, that wherever they were going to be, he was letting the prophet know. The prophet was telling the king. king was sending a military force to where that, that, that group was going to be, where that other army, the opposing army was. And every single time, they knew what the plan was. You can imagine how frustrating it is to the enemy when God says, I don't want you to be ignorant of his schemes and his devices. And he tells you how to be prepared and how to be ready. And all of a sudden when the enemy comes in, he can't figure out why you're not flustered. It's because you've got the peace of God that passes all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind. It's because the power of God is on your side. Because you're trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're ready for his next move. I want you to be ready today. Be ready by putting on the full armor of God. Be ready by knowing what is coming. The day of evil will come. Say, Pastor, please don't be a, a gloom and doom preacher. This is not gloom and doom. This is just the way it is. You're in a fight, folks. This is not, you know, this isn't Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. This is, this is you are fighting for your spiritual lives. The enemy hates you. The devil doesn't love you. He doesn't want to coddle you. He doesn't want to do anything for you. He will never do anything for you. God is the one who has provided everything that you need to be able to overcome him and to finally have the last, be the last one standing and to have the final say. 
I, you, you know, you read in the book of Revelation, you don't see any Christians being defeated. You don't see any defeat. You see only victory. As a believer in Christ, God requires us to be ready. The only time that we can find in our lives where we have failed and we have allowed the enemy to kind of get in and have his way and he's done his thing and he's beaten us, the only time is because we were not ready. And God, there's no excuse for not being ready. There isn't any excuse that we can find in Scripture. The Bible lets us know that we have to be ready for it. Last Sunday, I prayed for Gio at the end of the meeting for his life, uh, lifeguard certification. He had to train for two weeks straight, every day after school. Grueling, tough training. And he's got to wait till he's 16 to be able to actually be a lifeguard in a life-threatening situation. But he trained, and he came to me in the service and said, Pastor, I passed. I passed. I passed the certification I can become a lifeguard. And I want you to know that, brothers and sisters, he's now ready. I, I could trust that Gio, who is slightly smaller than me, could haul this big guy out of the water if I was taking in too much. You know why? Because he prepared. We've got to prepare when the enemy comes and he does his best to sweep over us. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, God has his plan and his intention for you to be the last one standing. Why? Because he wants you to be ready. You can be ready. Now, to be the last one standing requires readiness. But here's the thing. It also requires resistance. Listen to what the Bible says says this, so that, and I'm going to skip over the next phrase in, the, in this verse, so that you may be able to stand your ground. Now, I want you to see in this verse of Scripture, in verse 13, I want you to see this. There are two times in this one verse, and then again in verse 14, and actually back up, we read it again in verse 11, there are four times that Paul says the word and uses the word stand. But this one that is sandwiched right in the middle of verse 13, it says that you may be able to stand your ground. How many of you mark up your Bibles? Anybody mark up your Bibles at all? Feel free to mark up that one word stand right there. I'm reading from the NIV. If it's a little different, in another translation you might be using, that's fine. But mark up that one verse, that one word. Underline it, do whatever you have to do. Because that one word, and this is where I hate getting into the idea of, you know, uh, when none of us know Greek, but the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in Greek. And when you get into these words, as I looked at that word stand right there in the middle of the verse, I found something that was interesting, at least to me. And I hope, hopefully, we can understand what is being said in this. That one word right there in the middle is, is a different Greek word than is used for the other words or the other uh, one that is translated stand. So when he says this in verse 13, the Bible says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand, one Greek word, 
your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Different Greek word. Well, what's the deal with the difference? This one in the middle means something a little bit more intense than the other ones do. And it is the idea and the definition is that of resisting and opposing. In other words, as if you were in a fight. The other words, the, the words that are translated to, to be stand, as we would look at them in English, say, I'm getting confused, Pastor, because they all say stand. Right. I understand. If you were to look at it in Greek, it would be completely different. But it, it says, and in the last part of this, this verse, the idea of stand is not necessarily of resisting or exerting force. It is simply that you are there and you have taken up your occupation and you're not moving. You are, in fact, the last one standing. But the earlier part of this is you are standing to defend a particular piece of ground. It's, it indicates to resist or rebel or, re, or oppose, while the other idea has that of establishing yourself or standing firm. Now, let, what's an example of that? Go back into the Old Testament, shall we? Let's go back into 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 11, verses 11 and 12. And we're going to meet one of David's three mightiest men. As David is getting to the end of his life, and he is getting to, we get to the end of the book of 2 Samuel, which, which kind of tells David's last words to Solomon and all of that. The, the historian recounts some of David's mighty, mighty men. And there were three of the mightiest men that he has that he talks about right here in these verses of Scripture. But this one that I want you to see, his name is Shammah. Shama. Verse 11 says this, next to him was, that is one of the other mighty men, you can read about them a little bit later on uh, if you want to, but next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, beans, is, listen, listen, Israel's troops fled from them. Notice that. The people of God, the ones who had known victory through David and at the hand of David, they fled. But, verse 12, Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. One guy, all by himself, he defended it, that is, he opposed, he resisted, he stood his ground, and he fought and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. The Lord brought about a great victory. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine it in that moment? Shammah is standing there in this field saying, this is our field. Say, so what's the big deal with the bean field? Here's the big deal. If you're an Israelite, food. Your economy. It's sort of like if some invading force were to decide to hit all the farms in our nation. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we live in the city. We would be hurting pretty bad. 
It's, it's all about economy. It's about food. It's about all the things that you need to live and survive. So that bean patch was a big deal. And they're coming in to threaten to either destroy it or to seize it and to take it for themselves. And this guy, Shema, is standing there and he's looking around wondering, where did everybody go? This is our bean field. This is our lentil field. This doesn't belong to the Philistines. This does not belong to any of them. We're supposed to be here. We've got to resist the enemy. We've got to defeat the enemy. And the only way that we can do that is to take up residence in the place that the enemy is not supposed to have and fight him. That is resist. Resist the enemy. I want you to see what happens. The Bible says that he struck down the Philistines all by himself. You ever have anybody bail out on you? You ever have any other believers not not know how to handle things, not know what to do, not know know what to say? And all of a sudden now that you're wondering, how in the world am I going to win this battle? (laughs) Can I just tell you today? The way that you will win the battle is to resist the devil, resist the enemy. You can resist him standing firm and know that God will help you. God came down and helped that one guy. He gave him the power. He gave him the stamina. He gave him the endurance to be able to defeat an enemy who said, we're going to take that from you. He said, oh, no, you're not. I want you to know the enemy does not have to have your family. The enemy does not have to have that marriage. The enemy does not have to have your children. The enemy does not have to have it. You've got to stand your ground and resist and fight and say, no, you don't. This belongs to me and this belongs to the Lord. Don't you think for a minute that the devil can have, well, that's just the way things are. No, it's not just the way things are. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You've got to stand. Don't be confused by that stand as opposed to the other stands. The other standings indicate that of just taking up and establishing yourself. I think that's probably what Shammah did at the end of it all. When all the blood had been shed and all the Philistines lay dead in the field, he said, this is my lentil field. This lentil field belongs to the Lord. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we're not fighting the Philistines. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, as Paul said. But we are fighting a spiritual battle, and the enemy is doing his best to rob from you and take from you that which is rightfully yours, that which God has said is yours. The plan of God is for you to be the last one standing, and the only way is for you to resist the enemy. You take your stand against him. You oppose him. You rebel against the enemy, and you say, God, this is my family. I will see them into the kingdom of heaven. I will pray them into the kingdom. And you you take your stand. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking he's going to have his way. We look around, we say, well, the days are evil that we're living in. All the more for us to be ready and be prepared. All the more for us to take up our position and to oppose the enemy. You've got to resist what belongs to you. Turn over in your Bibles. If you're still in the Old Testament, let's just go to 2 Chronicles 20, shall we? Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. And I want to read part of the prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed on the day that he was opposed where three enemies and three armies came to try to take him out and to take the people of of Judah to destroy them, destroy their land, take their land, all of that. Three armies come against them. 
But listen to how he prays. Ah, uh, let's just go back up a little bit. Let's just read the whole prayer. Shall we? Let's uh, go back to verse, <clears throat> verse 6. We'll go back to verse 6 and we'll read down a little ways. He says this and said, O oh, oh Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, have built a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Now here it is. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came out of Egypt. You'd have to go into Deuteronomy chapter 2 to read about that in detail to find out what God did. God said, you go through there, you help them, you help their economy, but you do not destroy them. You don't do anything against them. And now he's saying, you didn't allow us to destroy them. They turned away from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. But listen to verse 11. The last part of that says that they came to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Resist for what belongs to you, folks. Resist for your children. God gave you your kids. Don't you do not allow the enemy to come in and steal away through the, the cares of this life, the deceitfulnesses of riches and the other things that can appeal to them. But pray and believe that God is going to have his way. You resist for what belongs to you. This is your ground. It doesn't belong to the enemy. Resist him. There's one final thing that requires to be the last one standing, and it is this. It requires responsibility. It's the last, one of the last phrases in that verse 13 of Ephesians 6. It says this, having done everything to stand. Somebody explained this verse of sort of this phrase as this. It is having accomplished all that your duty requires. Putting on the full armor of God. Standing your ground in opposition so that then you can stand established in that position. Standing your ground, having accomplished all that your duty requires. First, we've got to know what our responsibility is. 
well, what's our responsibility? We've already talked about it. I'm not going to belabor this point. This is not going to be a long point at all. It is to put on the full armor of God. Your responsibility as a soldier, if you were to talk to anybody in the military, you would find that it is their responsibility to make sure that their boots are shined, to make sure that their beds are made and in a very specific fashion, in a specific order, to make sure that their uniforms are just so, and especially if it is something special, instead of, of warfare it is, it is, you know, to line up or whatever it might be. Things have got to be neat. They've got to be in order. It's got to be just so. It is their responsibility. They've got to know that is our responsibility. Brothers and sisters, it is our responsibility to put on the full armor of God. You say, Pastor, I'm depending on you for that. No, you can't. I've got, I've, I'm responsible for me when it comes to that. You are responsible for you. You've got to put that on. And, and know also what is God's responsibility. We've got to know what is God's responsibility. Well, what is that? Well, it's God's responsibility to provide the armor. We're going to see what that is in, in the days and the weeks to come. We're going to see what that armor is. But it is God's responsibility to provide that. It is God's responsibility to provide the power to be able to stand. Listen, when you're fighting the enemy, the devil, when you're fighting his forces of wickedness, you need to know that by, in your own strength you're no match for him. But through the power of the Holy Spirit that he fills your life with, you need to know that you can resist and you can finally be the last one standing brothers and sisters the enemy will not have his way in your life the enemy will not win you've got to know the power of God is greater you say pastor I've failed here and there along the way oh listen don't sit around in the dust worrying about your past failure you get up and you start fighting again the enemy knocks you down once you stand up and you continue to fight because the power of God is greater than any power from hell that can ever come against you. You will be the last one standing. Let's stand to our feet right now and give God praise. Come on, stand to your feet and just magnify the Lord.